Blog Talk Radio. that means if you want to get out of Dodge, you need to get into one. This is Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com, live from our studios by Radio Saigon, Michael Gardner, and the notorious Ben Florence of BFO 360. Been a while since we have done a show, yep. as we were off for Thanksgiving break. How was your turkey day last week? Um, it was splendid. How was, uh, how was yours, hombre? It was good. I uh, got to see some family. Went home. How was Jersey? Jersey is better than wherever you were. I was in Jersey, too. You were not in Jersey. You were in freaking Ken, Ohio, which is just awful. The birthplace of football, apparently. Yeah, it was just depressing. No. Uh, did it snow up where you were? Uh, no, because I live in America. And? Yeah, you heard me. They stink! But anyway, we have, a good, we have a good show for you on hand. Uh, we talk some college football, which we'll get to actually right now, but have the World Cup draw, which happened earlier today for the soccer fans. Rob Ford, the uh, Toronto Mayor, is at it again. Uh, AU Athletics Volleyball heads the NCAA tournament tonight, and much more. But for now, we'll start with Auburn. Winning a very exciting Iron Bowl, something we sort of missed over last week. But here's a great uh, Vern Lundquist, the CBS call. For the, uh, ironically, the last play of what some are saying is game of the year. Seven yards. Number eight block kick can go the other way, too. You've got to be careful and get it up. On the way. No, returned by Chris Davis. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Davis has another block. Chris Davis. No flags. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. That was Vern, Vern on the call. Our good friend Vern. Uh, Auburn won in thrilling fashion, defeating number one Alabama. Always love a good Iron Bowl. Would, would you ever have imagined that that game would have come down not only on the last, not only on a missed field goal, but the fact that it was a uh, returned field goal, returned missed field goal. Yep. Something I, we rarely see in college football. Usually a lot of that happens in the NFL. Yep. But surprise, the game ended with a surprise save and puts in the backup kicker to kick the 50-60 yarder for the uh, win. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard God back and forth on this. I think there's so many people uh, – it was a, a questionable call, but he was also playing for the win. So we are playing for overtime, and you probably thought having a kicker who did not have a lot of experience at all. He only kicked like a couple kicks a year, but he had a huge leg. 
And Saban said that he, like, nails it regularly from 60 yards, uh, apparently, in practice, which, I mean, you know. And I also like that so many people are going on as if, you know, if you make it, make it, you miss a kick like that, then it automatically is going to be returned for a touchdown that he should have known because everyone's like, well, they had, like, the, the fast guys. Now, man, I had a bunch of fat guys when I heard about it. So, but, I mean, that would be as if he misses the kick, like, just short. If he didn't, like, shake it wide. I think it had – it looked a lot. Usually I thought he was going to drill it. So, was a, it ended up being a bad call. It ended up costing Alabama essentially this season. We get some real shenanigans on tomorrow. But I think the game was uh, an incredible one. Uh, you know, Alabama looked good early, or Auburn looked good early. Alabama roared back, looked like they were going to take control of the game. And then down the stretch, last like corner and a half, they were allowing Auburn to hang around and get back into the game. But truly one of the great uh, all-time games and uh, and uh, the Iron Bowl, which may just be the best rivalry in all of college football, and on a, and on a fantastic Saturday of college football, all in all. So it sets up a great SEC title game. Surprisingly, two teams that not a lot of people had picked when the original uh, college football slate started. The Tigers of Auburn against your boys of Missouri. Mm. Playing in the, the Georgia Dome on Saturday, featuring number five and number three. Auburn wins. Did they go to the national championship game? Um, not if uh, Ohio State wins. If they play Michigan State, which should be a pretty good game. I picked Ohio State, but I, I think that's going to be a tough game. And But I don't, I don't think Auburn, with one loss, is going to jump an undefeated Ohio State. I, I don't see it. I know people in the SEC are giving us their little, you know, gobbly gook that it's the best conference in the country, so essentially they're entitled to have a team in the national championship game. I mean, Ohio State, there's, I would argue their schedule is, um, you know, it's not like their schedule is a joke. They look very good this year as well, uh, as opposed to Auburn. And, you know, Auburn lost by three scores to LSU. So they did also lose a game, and they looked terrible, pretty awful in that game. So well, Auburn is not going to jump Ohio State, nor should they. So unless Ohio State loses – and also, we have to remember, Auburn has to win. Like, so many people are talking as if they, that Auburn is basically going to be in this position in a week or that their BCS hopes, you know, if they, like they're assuming, oh, well, they're relying on Auburn. Missouri's been very good this year. It's for one bad quarter against South Carolina. They'd be undefeated. They'd be undefeated. And I think you can make a case that Missouri has, has been the better team all year long consistently in the SEC than Auburn has. So, I mean, Missouri is not – if they win, they're not going to get to the national championship game because they're actually behind Alabama. And But Auburn is not going to make it to the national championship game unless Ohio State loses. But I think that it's it's clear. And people so, realize so when are this game going to go to Super Bowl? Essentially, because obviously, um, well, I mean, who knows the Michigan State could beat Ohio State, but I don't think they will. But that means Missouri and Auburn win or play in the Sugar Bowl. Yes, that's right. Um, because, you know, as we all know, the SEC uh, has the auto bid to the Sugar Bowl. For so many years, it's been their second team that has gone. Uh, I think that basically, 
what's going to happen to that? Unless Auburn wins the championship game, which I'm not projecting, I think they will win, but I do think Ohio State wins. That Auburn will be in that game, and then Alabama will be the at-large bid, which I would project would go to the Orange Bowl. They have the first pick of the BCS to, uh, to uh, fill an at-large spot. But if Auburn is in the championship game, then I think Alabama, who's number four in the BCS, I think they would be fit over Missouri to go to the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, Missouri will be in probably in all likelihood in the Capitol Bowl. Right. And that's an interesting game is number one, Florida State, and number 20, Duke. Blue Devils, not just known for basketball. And also well, well, yeah, it's just known for basketball. It is known for basketball. But Florida State, uh, James Winston, uh, well, I guess it was announced that he is innocent or not guilty, mm-hmm. which is the same thing. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the rape yeah. charges. So they were, uh, so he's cleared from that. Yeah. So now he has to go and play a, a red-hot Duke team. I believe it was 10 in a row. Um, yeah. Has to be a two-loss team. Defeating a lot of uh, I mean, pretty solid opponents, wins over Virginia Tech and the U, which Miami fluctuated in and out. But uh, their coach, officially named coach of the, uh, National Coach of the Year, yep. Walter Camp Coach of the Year. Could this be a Duke team that upsets Florida State? But, or is Florida State just flat-out awesome and will blow them out by 50, much like they've done every single time? Well, I don't know if they're going to blow them out by 50, but Duke's going to get crushed. I mean, they really don't have a chance. Even if Winston was going to be charged with sexual assault, and I think we'll get to that more in a minute. But, I mean, Duke is, I mean, you know, Duke's been an awesome story. They've had an incredible year, one of the, probably the, one of the best years they've ever had, considering how awful Duke football has been, you know, of late. So for them to get to the ACC title game, it's a huge deal to get to 10 wins. They're going to get crushed by Florida State. Even if Winston wasn't playing, they were going to get crushed by Florida State. They, they re, I mean, if they win – on Saturday, then that is just I, – I would not be able to explain that. So they're they're going to get crushed. And it's a shame because you don't want it to take away from a great Duke year, but, I mean, let's just be frank. That's just, just what's going to happen. It'll be, a, it'll be a, a bit of team if Duke wins. It would be cr- a crazy upset. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be probably the best Duke football team ever. Yeah. But they would. Well, yeah, well, there are some good Duke football teams under the great Wallace Wade. I mean, they, 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 they were in the Rose Bowl one year, and that was when they, the Rose Bowl was hosted at home. That's right. It was the 1942 Rose Bowl against Oregon State. Because it was in it was World War II. The Rose Bowl was in Durham. Yeah. No loss. Which is great. But the game, if they win, they go to BCS. If they lose, they'll end up playing, like, Beefo Brady Bowl. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. No, they're not going to beat the Beefo Brady Bowl. They'll probably be in some, like, Chick-fil-A Bowl, Russell Lake. They're not going to beat the Beefo Brady Bowl. That's just – you just don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who plays in the Beefo Brady Bowl. Uh, uh, ACC and competition? No, it's not ACC. I think it's, like, the, the American. Oh, and – I think it's Conference USA, but there's going to be an Alex team, probably like a Mac team. Right. So if, if all things fall our way, as predicted on Fnatic Radio, we will eventually see Florida State and Ohio State in the national championship game in Pasadena, mm-hmm. featuring an Ohio State team that's has us now 24 and 0. Because last that's year right. they were, um, I think they shared national championship with Alabama and the Associated Press poll because mm-hmm. they were both undefeated. Yeah. But obviously they weren't eligible to get a bowl because they're still on the other uh, great uh, Jim Trestle band. Now they're back uh, with a chance to go to the title game. Braxton Miller, who was hurt 
Uh, it's filled in nicely by his backup. They did not miss a beat. Won an exciting game against Michigan. Has Michigan State in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. Yep. And so the, it's the, most likely they will win. They just face a Florida State team that has scored an average 53.7 points per game, second overall behind uh, the great Sikkim Baylor Bears. Oh, yeah. So now you have a Florida State team that has had great wins, such as an 80-14 win over Idaho, 41-14 over then number seven Miami. Go hate on Idaho. And a 51-14 win against then number three Clemson. Ooh. It's in Death Valley, no less. Exactly, yeah. So multiple road games where they just roast the occasion. Is this one of the the most high-powered, great college football teams we have seen in recent memory? Yeah. In terms of the ability of having first, this is Jameis Winston's first year starting. Yep. A first year redshirt freshman. A redshirt freshman coming in, putting up huge numbers. This team can't be stopped, and I've yet to see a team stop them. Yeah, uh, really the toughest test. Again, what's crazy is that their closest game this year came against Boston College, where they Boston College won the game throughout, and Florida State only won by 14 points. That's one of the most competitive teams. I mean, let's be fair. Boston College, seven wins, going to a bowl game. But it's Boston College. I mean, yeah, sure, the game was in Chester Hill. But uh, the fact that they're number two in scoring, number one in points against, even as the ACC really turned out to be a bust this year. I mean, Clemson, and they had that one against Georgia. They were very overhyped. They were probably overhyped. Even on Tennessee. Who was great, was playing very good football. They had just the week before, like, nearly lost a week. Mm. So I think that um, – I think Florida State, they had a, a lot of the teams that you thought were going to be really good, like Florida, for example, like Florida was awful. So I think that that also plays into the fact that the ACC ended up not being good and they played a pretty weak non-conference slate. That's all. The team is incredibly impressive. And I think that if they – whoever – if they get the national championship game, which they will – but if, whoever they'll play, I think they're going to be a solid favorite. Even though I think, you know, Ohio State, I think that'd be a good game. Um, because they've got a great offense as well. I think Auburn could be interesting. Um, maybe if Alabama somehow flies in. I mean, who, who the heck knows? So, it'll be fun. But what, what would it take to stop this team? I mean, not even a, uh, not even allegations on a rape case is going to slow down Florida State and Jimbo Fisher's team. Yeah, they will. Uh, yeah, and the interesting thing with that, the Jameis uh, Winston case, was um, looking at the incident happened a year, happened December seventh a year ago. But literally, almost a year, it'd be it'll be a year tomorrow. The the state attorney's office didn't find out about it until November because the the. The uh, investigators of the Tallahassee Police Department, they uh, they said that um, the accuser uh, pointed out that it was Winston that did it in January, like a month later, which, you know, that, that's okay. And nothing wrong with that. So then forced, uh, uh, Tallahassee bungled the case so much, they ended up putting it, and that is, an open case but an inactive one in February, which basically means, yeah, the case is not solved, it's not over, but we're putting it on the back burner. What the Alaska police has said is that, you know, she she did not want to press charges. And then the great thing is that the accused's attorney was like, that's complete nonsense. So then 
It's basically this girl. We were comparing it to the uh, the Duke Lacrosse case a few years back. Yeah, maybe maybe you're really not that. there because once you look at the whole details, when you look at it, I mean, we really don't know what happened because the key problem is that the girl was intoxicated. Yeah. And the state the state attorney Willie Meggs said that she had, there were some holes in her story, and that because you know she had been under the influence, she said before she had like five or six, according to an affidavit that was provided to Fox Sports, and thus that nobody else was able to fill in the holes to her story beyond that. And the evidence, so the evidence really wasn't certain to be there to be able to charge him. Also, a key problem with that, they when it was reported a month ago that, or actually a few weeks ago, that Winston's DNA was found in the girl's shorts, they meet and, you know, saying that it was, uh, you know, some sort of sexual encounter. Winston's side said it was consensual. Uh, the Cuda side said it was rape. And, but the thing is that it turned out there was also another DNA sample. That's right. On the pan, in short, it turned out to be, we found out yesterday that was the boyfriend, but apparently not the accuser and the boyfriend were both uncooperative. They, they, the boyfriend wouldn't answer questions about what happened. So now when you have that, it, that also makes it harder to prove. And also as well, as I said, they mentioned this yesterday, they said that this would be a much different case had we known about this, like, after it happened, instead of it taking 11 months yeah, to the year. So while we still don't know what happened, did he rape her, we, or was he, uh, did he commit a sexual assault? We don't know. Nobody's really, uh, nobody will end up, I mean, probably, we may, we'll probably never know. Exactly. Well, it looks like from the extenuating evidence that they could not pursue Sexual assault charge. James Winston became the first Florida State player to win the Heisman since Chris Winkie in 2000. Hey, Chris Winkie, great player. As he, falls, as he uh, switched gears and go to our soccer talk, as the World Cup draw was oh. announced today, as we were uh, in stunned shock, as the United States is slated in Group G, featuring Germany, Portugal, and our good friend in Africa, Ghana. And our uh, soccer analyst, John Gardner, joins us on the line. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Did you watch the entire draw? I'm oh, of course. Yes. Start to finish. Why is an event so simple, complicated to the nth degree? <laughs> it's not complicated. It's it's straightforward. It is complicated. Too many ping pong balls and too much red tape. We, we, no, saw, we saw the lady fumble. We saw the lady fumble the, uh, the little the little ping pong ball. It's completely no, corrupt. Bad. They're, 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 they're throwing the things around. I'll see this. No, it's it's not. It really isn't that complicated. It's, there's there's uh, eight groups, and four teams go into a group. And the guy explained it. Jerome Veckel, the general secretary of FIFA, explained it perfectly. It's given. They're trying to keep a geographical disparity between the teams. They don't want two teams from the same qualifying group playing against each other. And so because so they have to draw teams. around, and the guys, the people drawing it know what's going on. I guess they do. I don't know. So breaking down the groups, are you happy or disappointed with what the United States uh, was drawn? I mean, it's certainly not the uh, easiest group by any means, but I think given the stage that it's on, this is the World Cup, and you know all all the eight groups are very difficult because all these teams deserve to be there in one way or another. And I think for me, it's it's not going That's to be easy. That's a lie. Mexico does not deserve to be in the World Cup. 
they they qualify. <laughs>
you know, I think I think a lot of the U.S. players, a lot of the European-based players, they understand, um, you know, that they play in Europe. They know the styles. They know they've seen these players week in and week out. Um, and I don't think they should be too – it shouldn't be too foreign to them. But I don't think Germany or Portugal or Ghana are just one – they don't have just one player. I mean, Portugal itself has – you know, they have a couple fantastic midfielders. They have a great defense. You know, and they have, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, who obviously leads the line. But at the same time, I think – you know, it's going to take a team effort, not just an individual effort from the United States. It's going to take a collective team effort. And I think if the U.S. can come together and play as a, as a collective team and can really, really work hard, I think we should be fine. If you saw in 2006, you, you mentioned 2006, they didn't. They, they had a similar kind of group to this. They had Ghana. They had the Czech Republic, who were a fantastic team. And they had Italy. So it... It really varies, Michael. I think it just depends on, on which United States team uh, shows up. And, and, and But I think Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, he's a good manager, and he'll certainly get everyone you know, on the right track and, and on the same page. And I think that's important, especially going up against some of these, some of these times, and especially, teams, and especially these three teams. I think we'll do well. I mean, I don't – I think we'll have our game. I, I, mean, I, we'll I, I, I know this sounds really cynical, but I don't think we'll advance. I just don't. I think – I think Portugal, you know, Germany Germany is going to be the hardest game I think we'll play. And then Portugal is the second hardest. And I think we have Ghana. We have to get a result against Ghana. And if we don't and if we don't get a result against Ghana, then I think it's going to be very, very difficult going into those next two games because we have to then get a result against the Portuguese side that, you know, historically in the, in the World Cup, the part of 2002 has played very, very well. They reached the, the, the semifinals in 2006. They reached the quarter, not quarters, round of 16, but they faced Spain, who ended up winning the tournament. So they they played very well, and they they played, you know, they're up against a very very tough group. And I just don't, I just don't see the U.S. qualifying. I, I think we finished third at the most. But if they qualify, I mean, fair play to them, and then we can see what happens from there. That being said, looking at the rest of the groups, which one is the quote unquote group of death? Other, I guess other than us. One that I am saying is, could be that uh, that Group C of Colombia, Greece, Cote d'Ivoire, and Japan. That's a pretty the, bold statement. I, I mean, absolutely not. You look at you look at the Japan. I think Japan was the best team in Asia. Were they not? What does that be? It's just soccer's all. They had Japan. They had Ivory Coast, who is a very good team. If Colombia, who is fourth in the world. Those are all good teams because, like you said, soccer is a game that is not on paper. So judging by what I have seen of these teams, and they're not a lot, but I think Group C is going to be a very tough group. Another group I think is tough is Group B because you have the defending champs of Spain. You have the Netherlands, who will probably come out guns a-blazing after their uh, Euro Cup campaign. Then you have our good friends in Australia, and then a great uh, South American team of Chile, who will most likely use their tactics to beat up everyone they play against as soon as they take the field. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you played a really good point. I think, well, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people question Group B is very, very difficult, just considering Spain and the Netherlands, as well as Chile, who've been playing very well. And I, I did think about the guys in Australia. I knew they were going to be very disappointed. Um, group Absolutely. C, I think, I think you actually might have a really decent point because. Colombia is fourth in the world, and they are a very, very good side. They had a great qualifying campaign in South America, and the Ivory Coast has certainly has been in the African Nations Cup finals in the last in the last three African Nations Cup finals over the last 
want to say six years they've been in the final two, in uh, two of them. And they've done an absolutely that's fantastic so job. And certainly Japan being yeah, the best like, like, that, that team is a so tough good. group. But I think another I think a group of death though, another group of death that I think would be very tricky is Group D with Uruguay, Costa Rica, England and Italy because we're going to yes, miss yes, out yes. my boy Botelli making his first World Cup debut. Exactly. England. And he goes up against this is England. Such a, this, and is Costa Rica. Such a, this is a fantastic group just for the drama in this group yes, because you've absolutely. got Luis Suarez playing against England. You've got Balotelli playing him? against England. You've got Italy Uruguay, which is going to be a fantastic game in the final, a final, final game with a final game of Italy Uruguay, which could certainly you know decide the group or maybe decide which team could advance or not. It's, that's a good group, I think. Over, I think Group D is a very, very tricky group. Over, over under five red cards in this group, in that Group D, out of all the games that I'll be played. Group D? Yeah, Group D of Uruguay, Costa Rica, England, Italy, over under five red cards in that group as a whole. Under. What? You gotta be kidding me. As soon as Costa Rica faces England, you know there's gonna be some yellows in there. Uruguay, England, Costa Rica, Italy. Because you got because you got Botelli, who's never played in a World Cup before. And it's going to be under because it's going to be under because I think these teams are going to want to get out there. They, they're going to want to get out there and play the best football they can. And I don't think they're they're not in the balance. It's going to be it'll be a physical group, but I don't think it's going to be it's not going to be the most physical group. I think if I were to pick the most physical group, it's probably either going to be Group F with Argentina, Bosnia, Iran, and Nigeria, or I would actually pick Group C, which would be the Colombia, Greece, Ivory Coast, and Japan. Because I think the Greeks are very, the Greeks are a very physical side. Colombia is a very physical side. You can't really count out the Ivory Coast. Japan will probably be that one team that may not get... Japan can get pretty chippy as well. I think... I think if if I had to pick, I would say Group Group F and Group C would be the most like, physical in terms of of, of cards, or maybe Group A just because of Cameroon and in there in Mexico and you know Brazil can Mexico Brazil that's the match of the uh, of the Confederations Cup and Brazil did win that. Are they the heavy favorites to win it all? Just one on basis because they won at a tournament they hosted, which is sort of like a, a tune up to the World Cup. They pretty, they pretty much dominated the South American World Cup qualifying, and then you have arguably one of the greatest young rising stars the world has ever seen. Is Brazil a heavy favorite to win? I mean, certainly if it's it, certainly it's in Brazil, and they'll have the support of a nation, even the support of a continent to an extent. I think because you know everybody's is it excited. Rigged that it's in Brazil. What is it rigged that it was in Brazil? No, I don't think so. They did. I mean. I, I don't think so. I think I think it'll be a fantastic atmosphere, regardless, um, and it will be almost like a carnival-like atmosphere, which will be very enjoyable for any supporters or anybody that goes. But in terms of them being a favorite, I mean, you certainly can't count them out as being a, a certain of being a favorite just because of their history and because of it being in Brazil and the way that the team has been playing. But actually, Alexi Wallace, as as much as I disagree with everything he says, he actually made a very 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 good point, saying that. Brazil, they should they should qualify fairly easily out of this group. But 
in the next stage, because they'll face the either winner or runner-up or group B, should they advance, they're going to face a really tough team. And I don't think in the last couple of games, and especially in the Confederation Cup, they haven't really faced a hard team and been up against it and had their backs against the wall. And so I think that's going to be a really, really big challenge for them is the, is the latter stages because I don't think the nation, let alone, I don't think the side, let alone the nation, I think are ready for a Brazil team to struggle. And it'll be very interesting to see what kind of character this team has in going forward if they can overcome those kind of obstacles that could or maybe will occur when they go forward. So I honestly think they, they I would consider them a favorite, but I don't think they I don't think they'll win it. I really don't because I just don't think that they have the unless they can really come together and form a mature and organized and, and, and sort of driven group, I don't think they're gonna be able to I don't think they'll win because I think they'll they will hit a roadblock on the way that could sort of derail them. And I don't think they have the they have the star power but they don't I don't think they have the maturity and the quality um to be the, the quality on, on more of a psychological level to get past a tough team like a Spain or a Netherlands or even further on in the tournament, maybe a Germany or an Argentina or something like that. I just don't think Brazil has that. At that being moment, said, this who do you think is, I mean, there's a lot of favorites, but who do you think the dark horse is going to win? The team that no one really thinks is that good but is very good and most likely could win. Belgium. Yes, I was thinking the exact same thing because I wanted to play the United States and they picked us apart and tore us to pieces. And they're very good. They have a lot of young guys, but then they got guys like Vincent Company, your boy Fulani, uh, mm-hmm. Morales on the left side, teams of guys that are my age and just a little older. They were, I think, eighth in the world. They have an easy group Algeria, Korea, and uh, Russia. I think if. If they get past, if, if uh, Belgium will qualify out of this group, there's no, there's, there shouldn't be a doubt that Belgium will qualify. If they get past the second round, they will go very, very far, because I think the Belgian side, and especially like what you, what you said, the quality of young talent they have and the quality of, of veterans that they have, including Ben Biden certainly will make an appearance. Company will come in, um, you know, just a lot of mainstays in there, combining with an Aid Nazar or Romelu Lukaku, or Christian Bentake, they have such a strong team. And if they really can, if they can find their, their niches early and really get going, they're going to they be unstoppable. I think they could win it. And it would be an absolute amazing. A lot of people would be really shocked, but I think given the amount of talent that they have sprinkled around Europe and even sprinkled around England, in the English Premier League considered by some to be the best league in the world, they have a very, very good team and are very, very capable of really really punching above their weight and putting on a show at the same time. So it'll be enjoyable to see how far Belgium can get. But I think Belgium would be a dark horse for me. All right, and of course, if Belgium is our dark horse, who is the worst team in this World Cup that we'll sit at and point and laugh and be like, they were the Saudi Arabia of this year's tournament? <laughs> that's a really tough one. I I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a really tough one. I think because of the nature of their group, I would have to actually go with Cameroon because I don't think they didn't. I, I'd rather have to say Cameroon or 
sadly, I'm going to have to actually go with Australia, too. I think Cameroon, I don't think they have a very strong side. And in the last World Cup, they didn't, under Paul Glenn, he did, he had a miserable, he did have a miserable task of managing, did a terrible job. The team didn't, team underperformed, they didn't play very well. They were in a very tough group with Denmark, uh, Japan, and the Netherlands, but still, they didn't perform very well. I think it will be a similar story this year. You know, I just don't see Cameroon as being a very organized and, you know, very fundamentally sound team. They're not, they're not that sort of team, and so I would consider them to be that. And then I think Australia, just for the mere fact that they're up against uh, Spain, Netherlands, and Chile, it's going to be a really, really tough road for them. But, I mean, I wouldn't even count out Iran. As being a as being one of those kind of teams, uh, and even just I Honduras. Too. I was, I was, I'm actually not surprised they say Honduras because I, I um, thought about that. I really just I was thinking about that, but then I looked at their looking at their group. I mean, France and Switzerland are probably the two strongest teams in that group. Ecuador is a really good side as well. I mean, you never really know. I think they they actually Honduras tied Switzerland in the last World Cup and played really well against them. I thought so. I, I mean, that that for me is just kind of. I don't know. I just, I just think they have, they have too, they don't have too much of a firepower in that group to really embarrass them. I think. I think, it, like I said, it was probably going to come down to like an Australia or a Cameroon, or maybe even Iran to an extent, just because. But I don't know. Exactly. I think it'll be interesting to see. We'll just have to wait and see, really. Right, and the World Cup starts in June, but like ESPN, we break it down to the nth degree here on Fanatic Radio months before it even kicks off. Uh, John Gardner, our soccer analyst, thank you for joining us on the uh, our weekly conversation on the hotline. Thanks for having me, Mike. Have a good day. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back on the flip side, we'll talk about what is better than the Eastern Conference of the NBA. To find out, listen to more Fanatic Radio after this. It's Fanatic Radio. This show's a joke. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Love Talk Radio.
help your son, let your two young to vote. as good as it gets. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Johnson actually apologized, and inside the NBA started because he apologized that the combined uh, margin of victory for both teams was a little above 50. Yay! After some uh, great games between the uh, the Knicks and the Nets, who are horrendous, and then the Derek Roseless Bulls actually beat the Miami Heat, who just pretty much gave up in the third quarter. But that being said, Jaron, are you surprised with all the hype that the, both the Knicks and the Nets had? They have a combined record of, I believe, 9 and 27. I mean, you have to be at this point. I mean, I'm more surprised, I'll be serious, I'm more surprised that the Knicks have fallen so hard in comparison to the Nets because I, I thought the Nets hype was a little bit too much. It, it, basically, as Ben Forrest just shakes his head. I didn't shake my head. I saw that. I saw that. I didn't do anything. I thought the Nets were going to win the division. or I thought the Nets would win the division or maybe fall out the game by losing the division by about a game. Because, and I, and I said this at the very start, Garnett is older. He's, he's getting older. He was hurt last year. He got hurt the year before. And this year he basically can't contribute anything except trash talk went down 28 points. Okay, he doesn't belong in college for two minutes, no less one year. The answer is, why would you trash talk in a 28-point game loss when you lose by 28? You have nothing to talk about. You have nothing. The Knicks are looking at this, 4-13. You, and there were 3-13 yesterday. You were down 
I think it was like 35 points at one point to a 3-13 and 13 team on your own whole team. The Nets have five wins. Let's not act like the Nets are a great team. The funny thing about that, though, is both those teams are two and a half games back of the 8-12 Austin Celtics. The greatest part of it is they get to take up your Christmas in a few weeks. That's going to be fun. I'm sure Stern's loving this. Wait, what's the Christmas game? It's uh, Chicago at Brooklyn. Thunder oh, and Knicks. And then uh, I think the last year, kind of, but it's, uh, I think it's Lakers at Heat, and I think it's Rockets and Spurs. I don't know who's on Well, not, not, just, not just the Knicks and the, and the Nets that are bad. The entire East Coast, other than the exception of Miami and the Pacers, are 17-2 and looking fantastic. Are you, how shocked are you that not just two teams, but pretty much the entire conference has a worse record than most of the teams in the West? Yeah, this is literally the worst thing I've ever looked at. I'm looking at basically a pile of hot garbage right now. But let me look at this. We got, let's see, we got Orlando is 6-12, and 12, which if you look at that in hindsight, would be, you know, not any worse than, like, the 4-16 and 16 Utah Jazz. Oh, boy. You have the Cavaliers are 6-12, and 12, Milwaukee's 3-15, and 15, Toronto 6-11, and 11, Go to Ronson. They're, they're a half game back out of the division lead. And the Boston has nobody on that team, and yet they're still winning the division. Yes, Chris oh, and a new coach. Chris Humphrey. Is he in front of the show? Is he? Yeah. Oh, we'll give him, we'll give him, we'll give him sympathy because he lost to Kim Kardashian. Oh, what a shame. Well, I mean, Chicago I'm not shocked about. I, I'm not that shocked about because they lost to Rose. Detroit I don't even understand because – Josh Smith is throwing up more three-pointers than anyone should. Well, called it, though. You said that the Pistons would be a, a good team to take at least, I think it was like the sixth or the fifth or sixth spot in the East. Yeah, I, I like the... the uh, Brandon Jennings, who's already had a 50-point game. I like the side of Brandon Jennings. I like the signing of Josh Smith. The only concern I had was that that was going to be an excellent front court of Drummond, Monroe, and Smith. But the problem is when you put Smith at the three... That leaves him in more of a perimeter spot, and thus he's giving you more open looks in the perimeter, which even though he's more suited probably to, his game is more suited to play at the four, because even though he can shoot, he just shoots too much. He, you know, he's, like, he's not an awful three-point shooter. Like, he's an okay three-point shooter to where he actually makes them. It's not like Andrew Potter when he was shooting threes. But he should just should be saying that. But I, I thought I thought I like Detroit coming in. So I have at seven and eight. I'm, I mean, they're at six, so it's not that. I mean, I can't really make any comments about the East right now to be that because they could easily change within three weeks. Uh, Charlotte's eight. I'm not thinking. I don't think that's going to last. Atlanta's five, and I love that because uh, they actually have the right to switch their pick with Brooklyn this year. So. That's going to be fun to see. Washington is three, and they don't have Otto Porter yet. That's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, and Indiana, I'm at the least thing. Actually, the one thing I'm the least shocked at is Indiana 72. I think that's probably one of the best teams. I think that's actually probably the best team in the league this year. It's probably one of the best league teams that we've seen in a few years outside of the Heat Triumvirate because that, that, that team was so good last year. They added, they added Scola this year. He was good. He's a scrappy, scrappy guy that gets rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he started for I think he started for Phoenix last year. He's on their bench. Um, I'm just trying to think of someone else there. I know they added someone else to that bench. It's just the name escapes me. But I know but they, they solidified their bench this year. When it was a, If you saw this series with the Knicks, the Knicks were much deeper than the, set, than the Pacers were. That's why I went to a game six. I mean, in terms of starting, in terms of starting rotation talent, it was clear the Pacers had the Knicks beat, but it was just a bench play. 
which are propelled them. Three guys this oh, they had a couple points. I should have known. I almost shooting on the Knicks last year, but with the addition of Copeland and Copeland's three point shooting, Scola's scrappiness, that's a really, really deep bench. Those are two players that get shot on a few of these teams right now. Flo, would you take the seventeen and two Pacers mm-hmm. or the West? Or or the uh, the rest of the field. Wait, wait, wait. Like, what? To win the NBA title. Because that was the question. I don't, I'll, I'll take the field every time. I'll let's, I mean, if you're talking Miami or the field, then yeah. But, I mean, Indiana, yeah, I mean. Or India. Because I think one of the questions I think Reggie Miller asked um, Greg Anthony uh-huh. was, who would he take? Was, the, was either Miami or Indiana or field? Uh-huh. And Greg Anthony actually said Miami and Indiana. i probably go, I may go with that because I look at the West. A bunch of really good teams. I, I felt this before the season. A bunch of really good teams, but I don't think a team that could beat Miami one-on-one. I think that if Miami was going to fall, it was going to fall in the Eastern the, uh, the Conference playoffs. Yeah, they'd be tired having going to a third straight uh, NBA Finals, as we saw what happened with the Poles in the last year. Fourth straight Finals. Yeah, well, the third straight challenge. Is that... Uh, you know, the team was obviously tired and having to play such a long season. But I look at those teams in the Western Conference, and the team with the best record right now is Portland. It's been very good. Uh, but the only like, team with the Clippers, San Antonio, uh, Houston, OKC, I mean, they'll be, definitely be in the mix. But I don't know if them, uh, any of them are good enough to beat Miami one-on-one, even if with Miami. And I think Indiana's legitimate. I think that Indiana Miami is your Eastern Conference right now, and that's not too bad. So that's why the you know the NBA is not a complete force. It's only bad though. The Eastern Conference already is settled. The seed is nine and nine. That's just I've never seen that before. And it's not just the nine and nine seed. It is our own Washington Wizards. I think what's interesting is that you have the, your top two teams, and the drop off is that the teams that were like in the middle of the ground got worse, and the teams that were at the bottom generally got better. So now instead of having four teams that can win the title, like a few playoff, like fringe teams and some trash, you're not having like a much more just a swamp land of uh, uh, 500 and below. 500, which I mean 500 teams in the playoffs, eh. The teams are losing record in the playoffs, eh. But that's just the way it is. We love that. I think the Patriot League. Oh, what? Why are you hating on the Patriots? Wow. Like, well, I love the Patriots. That's like the, we're like the Eastern Conference because we have like, we're 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 like the last year, like the Buffalo Wilds and the Lehigh. Why are we like the Eastern Conference? We had two teams that were good at the top and then we just had the rest. Which last year we were in the rest. I like the Psych Heavy League, though. The Eastern Conference is like that every year. It's just more so this year than usual. I mean, I'm looking at the Western Conference right now. I see like, Phoenix, Wood, Lakers, Wood. Yeah, there's four teams right now, uh, 10-9, 9-9, 9-9, and 9-9. And, and they, would, they would all be in the playoffs right now in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, it, you usually, that usually happens and that usually happens every year. It's just more so it's exemplified due to the success of Miami and Indiana feasting on the lower competition. What I also find is interesting, though, regarding uh, Indiana Heat versus the field, I don't think the Heat – I really can't see the Heat be outlasting Indiana in a seven-game series or even a six-game series. The Heat, like, Wade has been out. Well, they really want to trade him, too. They want to trade him or they want to trade I, I thought it was they wanted to trade for a, for a dog. Oh, uh, yeah. They're going to trade LeBron. And trade LeBron. Oh, for, for the league. 
Uh, well, uh, Brian Weiner's ESPN was reporting that uh, because Dwayne Wade is missing a lot of games and he's hurt, they're probably going to look to get another guard. Who do they have to trust? That doesn't make sense. Who, who are they going to No, I'm sorry. They obviously Mike Mill to avoid the luxury tax. I get that. But why would you keep Joel Anthony then on the team? I, I don't. I, they're big guys. But they're trying to trade one of the big guys for a, for a guard now. Dude, they could have added to see Joel Anthony to keep Mike Miller. They wouldn't have this. How much money is Joe Anthony making? I'm not. I, I'm just. I'm just thinking. Thirty million dollars. Well, it's a stupid contract in the first place. But I, that's exactly why I can't see Miami beating Indiana because without Wade, it's a two-person team. I, I mean, okay, they're one of the best players. Their best player is the greatest player. Okay, in the but of sports. That, that's all fine. And look how good that's, that's not true. I'm look how good catch. Look how we're good gonna, that. We're going to chastise you for saying look that. How, look how well that happened in Cleveland. It doesn't. You, it, the main piece matters. They have supporting cast, and, and they have a better coach. They have a better supporting cast than Cleveland did. That Cleveland team was still in the Conference Finals. I, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm always based on Mike Brown. I'm saying Mike Brown is a worse coach than Spolstra. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I like Mike Brown, but I think Spolstra is very good. Spolstra, Spolstra doesn't give me love because he coaches LeBron and Wade and Bosh. Yeah, because he did lead when Wade was there. When it was back. Wade and just Got garbage and just complete trash. I think when Adam was still now, like Odom was still there. I think so. Like, sports was a very good coach. Like, James Jones and, and when people were like, when they started, like, you know, when that first year when they had the big three and they didn't start that great, people were like, oh, you got to fire Spolstra. You know, I give Bat Riley credit because I'm sure he was definitely thinking about it. I mean, he probably, I think he was probably thinking about it. He's like, it's atten- kind of a little bit of an attention whore like that that he wouldn't do it after all he pushed Stan Van Gundy to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of firings, who is going to get fired first? You boy Mike Woodson or Jason Kidd? If they fire Kidd, I think that'd probably be the big, the most hilarious disaster this league has seen in I got and God knows how long. I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's already a disaster when you fire the. Um, you're a dentist. Maybe you can explain it to me. Uh-huh. Why would you hire an assistant coach? Mind you, for six years, you 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 go after him. You go. Uh-huh. They went hard after him. They really wanted him. They wanted yeah. him over like everybody. And I understand that you need a coach. You need and a man coach. coach. And at the time, it was a good decision. It was a good decision. But why, what head coach even normally gets a six-year deal? Why would you give it to an assistant coach? You're talking about Lawrence Frank? What about Lawrence Frank? Yeah. Well, to give him, you know, to entice him to want to take a top this such a role when he probably wanted to still be a head coach or to do something else. He probably didn't want to be an assistant again. Six years. I understand that. But, I mean, it's a, I mean, there are some causes in there, but six years. Okay, great. But eight, okay, so then I'll, so going on that, they fire the guy after – and what was that? I think it was 16 games. 16 games into one season of a six-year deal, they fire him. What are the Nets to wind up doing next? Well, they didn't really fire him. Facility. He didn't want it out because basically the whole thing was a bad match because it appeared from all the reports that Lord Frank basically thought he was coaching the team. He probably, pretty much, he probably was. Well, he should have done. Which, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. He should have done. It should have been a 50-50 effort at least. No, you know, you have one guy in the head coach. Another guy, he could be a top assistant, but he's still the assistant. But you have a guy that's never... I understand, I understand that. Fresh. But the whole idea was probably to have Frank basically as, like, almost 1A instead of having him as clearly an assistant coach. 
He had like six assistant coaches, which is absurd. I think there's like five or six. But anyways, but you know, imagine how man. Apparently, you know, Jason Kidd. Early on, this was a, a big risk they were taking, but it was thought, you know, he's a former player, point guard, he's a veteran leader, and they thought with a veteran team that he would kind of be like a player's coach. And that hasn't worked thus far, but the players are also performing for it. So while I think it has been a mess, I don't think that they're going to pull the plug in. It's been a mess, I think, for two great reasons. One, uh, obviously the, uh, the Coke incident. Or yeah, that was comical. But I mean, people need to realize coaches have done that before. When? Yes, Jason Kidd said he took it from another coach. He actually did. Yeah, was, he did. Uh, but how many? Okay, I, I understand that. But how good? How but we've seen coaches do all kinds of shit now and then again to get uh, like extra time up. We've seen that before. It's it was comical and it was obvious. But you know what? It, it worked. It got another shot. Can I say one thing, He's though? He's trying to win the game. I, I say one thing. You're gonna be re- I know you're going to disagree with me on this. We find the coach is $50,000 for insulting the referees, correct? He wanted to find kid. No. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you suspend him for a game for that? You're basically insulting the integrity and the knowledge of the coaches by saying, hey, you know, I don't have a timeout. Hey, why don't I just rig, why don't I rig, rig the game? No, but we've, no but we've also had instances where coaches have asked to review plays and that they end up getting a bonus. That was in college basketball, too. That was in college a lot. Yeah. Before. So I, I don't I, – I think like a, like a fine and was like, okay – this is obviously a joke. That's, like, so that man, is mocking the situation. The way of mocking the refs. I love how, though, because, you know. Um, He's not really mocking the refs. I love how. He's just so trying to pull a backdoor way to get a ball. Yeah. And the clear cup, too. It's something you get from, like, the concession stand. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were going to do the coach drink soda. Exactly. He's always just hit me. Now he doesn't just walk hit me. He literally just hit me. We need Mike Brennan to do that. They hit me to uh, the show. And another great uh, reason why it's a mess, and I saw last night in the, uh, the Knicks game, that they have the worst second-half scoring average in the, in the, I guess in the league, mm-hmm. which means whatever kid is saying at halftime is not working. He's probably just like, guys, hang in there. We're doing fine. I mean, they come out and get a bad joke. Like shooting percentage is less than their opponents. Uh, points per points per game, points per game. The second half is less than their opponents. I don't know. It's, but I say they need to bring back PJ Carissimo. Oh, oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually <laughs> think to answer your initial question, I actually think that Woodson is going to be the coach more like first. How soon? He fired the GM a month before the season started. That never happens. That's never. Worse than no, 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 no. Firing the assistant coach is worse than that. No, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Firing an assistant coach. Okay, if it was firing the G, you fire GMs at the end of the season. No, no, that was that was a six-year deal. Remember, the, oh, remember all the back. Okay, I know what the, we know it's just like that. So when I don't, I'm not de- defending the contract, but when is the GM? Been fired a month before the season before. Oh, I'm sure. They, I'm sure. That, I can't think of it right now, but I'm sure. Uh, uh, you can't think of it. Well, not so fired, funny. but uh, I think the Mavericks. Even now, the has been a disaster. You've got Car- the Carmelo nonsense. I'm not sure. But Jordan Carlin is saying he'll never win a championship. Can we talk about that for one moment? Absolutely. Okay. So basically, for those, those of you that don't understand, it was a uh, Carl said that Mel was a very good player, but not good enough to win championships. 
There's also there's also he said that we they called Andre Iguodala a mole for the a mole for Mark Jackson last year because he signed with the Warriors right after. And ironically, they beat the Nuggets in the first round. You know what? I, I got to I gotta say one thing. I've never read an interview more hilarious than that one interview. Because, and this is the main reason why. I tweeted about this yesterday. Okay. How many championships has George Carl won? None. Okay. No, no, none. He's a few coaches of the years, though, I believe. He's a few coaches of the years. Do you know who he's coached? Sean Kemp. Gary Payton, Ray Allen, Owen oh, Robinson oh, in his prime. Buzz Robinson. The big dog. I understand that. Shout out to the big dog. And the love. I got two guys and two names. Okay, yeah, yeah, the champ thing, that blew up. no champ. Because when they, when they sign some, like, an okay backup center to go against Shaq, they gave him a big contract when Sean Kemp wanted a contract. Kemp then became a... Petulant child lost all of athleticism. So I don't know if that's necessarily fair because Sean Kemp never kept the promise that he had with the signing. Boom, and they're they're also the team that probably gave the Bulls the most trouble. It had, as Bill Simmons writes in the book of basketball, had they had Gary Payton on Michael Jordan the whole series. Who knows what that would have been? But I, I don't think that you can't criticize. He can't criticize Carmelo Anthony for not being champion level play, which he isn't. Let's be honest. Okay, I, he probably isn't unless he gets a good point guard with him. Okay, but yeah, but he, Carmelo Anthony is not a guy that's going to make a pleasure on. No, he's not LeBron. I exactly. LeBron. Yeah, but yeah. But what I'm trying. What about the thing is, he say, "Oh, he's not a championship player." That's fine. But you're not the person to say Why that. Because you know, like when, no, 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 no. I know what you're going to say. I think, I think he's very so Carl. He's taking it from the guy, a guy who actually coached him. It'd be one thing if, like, Mike and Brown's I'm so that. tired of people making this point, and we saw this in the playoffs when David Price got all uh, defensive when supposedly Tom Verducci, like, defended or criticized him after that. I'm so tired of people saying that you can't criticize a star player because you weren't that. That's the point you're making. No, but you're saying that he, because George Carl never won a title, he can't criticize Carmelo Anthony for not being. Yeah, you're like, why not? Okay, pull up right you're now. You're telling me that only, only the only people that can be critical are great players. You know what? Pull up right now. How many, how many uh, Carl's record told you? How many coaches of the years he's won? The one time he got past the first round, guess who it was with? It was with Carmelo. Okay. Last year, he had a 57 win team. That was the, that was the uh, the Nuggets team with uh, Allen Iverson. I think the one that got to the uh, yeah, yeah, it was with it was with Chauncey Billups. It was one yeah, the West Coast Finals. So he said he's not a championship level player, but he's the one time the one time okay, Nuggets, and he went to the past the first round. Melo was on the team. He had Melo off the team for a full year. Has a loaded deck. What happened? They got killed by the Warriors when when David Lee, one of the probably one of the better players, was out for how many games? And Moscow. So, Moscow, oh boy, the one that just made a mockery of the net. So you're telling me that George Carl can be critical of Carmelo Anthony? I don't think he has. I don't think he's that. Why? That's so because he, because one, I don't think he has the right to do it. Two, you sound he sounds petty. Like he takes. Like what do you mean he's not? He's not about Carmelo Anthony. It's not the first time he's been asked. He's been okay. asked about it so many times, and it's all the time. He basically, he sounds like a petty old guy. I understand he can't. They asked him a question, he gave him an answer. He answer it. Oh come on! He can run How many head. times do you see an NBA analyst ask a question? He's like, I can't answer that because I'm not qualified to answer that. 
Now when I previously coached the play, you just take a respectful stance. You take a respectful stance. So you can't be, crit- you can't be critical, Carmelo Anthony. No, you can be critical, but you don't... So you was being critical. No, no it's not being critical. So you just, you're just... You're on video. No, you really... Here's what I would have thought if I was at... If, if I was Carl, I would have said he has, a, he has a lot of talent. He is an all, he's an all-star caliber player. He just needs need to make a few adjustments. You heard it here first. Uh, will Cologne Kobe Bryant come back? Final thing on the NBA. Because he's been really on the fence of uh, wanting to return. I want him to come back Sunday just to torch the Raptors. So it's like a little punch. But uh, uh, I, I, I just want to see that. And of course, well, let me show. We're going to go to great, great debate about. So, you got to do this. My boy, George, who's a great coach of George Carl. Who I'm surprised is still not coaching anymore. But he needs to get a job. A, a you should have hired him. But. So, George Carl. Oh, God. Yeah, we're going to have to hire him. Yeah, well, I'm going to get a lot of money. Probably making more money. Where is he now? He's working with ESPN. Is he really? Yeah. And he's doing a solid job. He's a good analyst. Interesting. All right, so we'll end the show with two things. With a low point and a very high point. Okay. A low point. This only happened over uh, Thanksgiving break. Featuring uh, Jaren's boy, uh, Kanye West. Oh, boy. And it has sports tying oh, to it. I asked him. Kanye West asked Nike, when did it come out? They told, they said, we're not sure yet. Huh? You know, uh, they, they let me design two shoes over five years, and I'm happy I could design them, but they ain't do me no favor because Eminem designed a shoe. And Pharrell designed a shoe. I just designed the Yeezys. I turned up because I was in fourth grade designing Jordans, and I brought back that feeling. You ain't never felt mm. about, the, the, about a shoe since the Jordans, the way people feel about <laughs> the Yeezys. I put that feeling, and the same feeling I put in college dropout and graduation and, and 808. <laughs> All that feeling that they like, I put that feeling there. So then I, I started turning up in a BBC interview, and they came. They said, okay, cool. We, we, we're going to give you a bigger sandbox to play in. It's not even like I even got a joint venture. I'm like, at least give me some royalties. Like, yeah. Michael Jordan got 5%. That business is $2 billion. He makes $100 million a year off of 5% royalty. I said, I need some type of royalty. They, Nike told me, uh, we can't give you a royalty because you're not a professional athlete. I told them, I go to the guard and play one on no one. I'm a performance <laughs> athlete, 100,000%. <laughs> A hundred thousand percent, said Mr. West. As the reason why this relates to sports is our good friend at Nike. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, uh, refused to sponsor the show. Yes, refused to give him royalties after he made. I think it was a three, three sneakers. So he had two sneakers. There was two. It was, it was an Air Yeezy One had I think three colors, and the Air Yeezy Two that had two colors, and it was supposed to be a red October version coming. So all an all red shoe. Yeah, but who knows what's going to happen. And so basically, he wanted to do more, but Nike said no because we won't give you royalties. And we asked why. Nike said, "Well, you're not a professional athlete." So his great excuse, Mr. West's excuse was, uh, he goes to the guard and plays one on no one. He is a performance athlete. And then I love it. The rant he had on Hot 97 in New York. Uh, oh, there's a sway of one. The breakfast sway. Uh, that's my favorite interview ever. The breakfast club on 105. One. He was saying how he needs the royalties because he wants to make it easy for his daughter, Northwest, to uh, live. As if him and Kim Kardashian were having any financial struggle to begin with. The guy's a hip-hop mogul. Just dropped billions on uh, the show you went to on the Jesus. I saw it twice, actually. How was it? Oh, it was wonderful. I saw it. It was wonderful. I saw it at Verizon. <laughs> I saw it at Verizon Center. I saw it at Madison Square Garden. I'm, no, no offense at Verizon Center, but Madison, there's no better place to see a concert than Madison Square Garden. It is. It was. It was something. The New Garden, by the way, great place. I love it. You have anything to say on that? I, Verizon I, Center. I I've never been. I've never been to actually the garden in general. I've been to it once, and like 
it, no, it used to be a dump. It was, it would smell. It would hey, it would be great when they moved it and built a new Penn Station. Oh, I can only imagine how Dolan's going to react to that. Absolutely. And, and so the funny thing is, now he is, uh, so, since Mikey refuses to give him royalties, Kanye West just goes to Adidas. Yeah, but Kanye's such an ass. Why? He's an ass. Why? Why? Do you hear what he okay. said about President okay. Obama? Okay. Okay. He doesn't have connections with the oil he's people right. and with the Jewish people. He is an ass. He's misguided. The best part of Asia, I love it, but he's on TV as a fairly talented. He is I'm not denying that. Well, the funny thing is, though, is he, a, lot of, a lot of the guys that we're interviewing, especially the people in the Breakfast Club, like Charlie and the God and uh, DJ Envy, they were saying, you know, you don't have to stop making One of the things he wants to do is, Basically, make a design be, to be up in the echelons with, uh, with Louis Vuitton, with Ralph Lauren, and the guys were like, "You don't have to do that. You just keep making music, and people will still love you." And then he's got this whole mindset of like, "Oh, it's the corporations. I want to be up here. They're not giving me a shot." And it's like, no. Here's the thing, though. Think about it. Jay Z has that Rockefeller. I think it's that's what I was gonna say. He wants to be Jay Z. He basically does. Jay Z at Rockefeller. I mean. He has Rockwear, yeah. I mean, I can't really answer Rockwear. Did he get a channel now when he wants to go to the NFL team? Did he? Also, give Diddy LA. Give Diddy LA. I want to see that. He did. Apparently, he was instrumental in helping get Ciroc to be the official sponsor of the NBA. Oh, what a guy. Now Jay-Z's in sports. Yeah, which is a great tie-in. It was a commercial break. And one of his clients, Robinson Cano, goes to the Mariners, which was announced today. Mm-hmm. But it's a very huge contract. Yeah, you went to today. You had the World Cup draw. You had that. You had the Texas Fire. Korea got all this. Great 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 on top of everything. Every day, which is a while since we've done that. So a while since we've done what? Been on top of them. Like, but then been on top of everything. Yeah, pretty much. You just, you're just a disaster. Well, no, East Conference is a disaster. Well, we're finally going to end up on uh, Melancholy, the uh, passing of Nelson Mandela. One of the things I love about it was he was so influential in sports. And I was going through a great uh, slideshow through SI.com. Uh, he's influential in bringing the World Cup in 95, Rugby World Cup, when they won, which obviously the movie Invictus is about. Great movie, starring uh, Matt Damon and Morgan Freeman. And then... Let's see. Oh, uh, he was also a big part in helping getting the uh, the World Cup. First time a World Cup comes to Africa, and it was in South Africa in 2010. But Flo, what not not can be said about Mandela? It seems like he was larger than life. Yeah, you were, yeah, like you uh, like you just said, like words cannot uh, you know speak for how influential and how important of a man Nelson Mandela, how great of a man. They're the boxers, you know, Nelson Mandela, and all were boys. Okay. Um, okay. So, like, words cannot describe how hugely important or worldwide Nelson Mandela was. Like, there were a few people that had, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of controversy and such and all in his youth and all that. But the the net positive that he had on the world is has all pretty much been unmatched in his lifetime and in recent years. So. I got to add one thing to that, though, and it really irritated me yesterday. You had, this, you had people on Twitter, obviously a lot of stupid people on Twitter. You had people mistaking uh, Mandela for Morgan Freeman. You had Paris Lillian tweeted out something stupid. But what really bothered me yesterday was, Darren, I don't know if anyone saw, but Darren Rovell at one point just tweeted, after after the, they announced that Mandela had passed away, so like, if you just tweeted, we had about a million and a half hours, just tweets out to everyone. If you rearrange the letters of Mandela, you get lead mad. You work for ESPN. What's wrong with that? Because 
You're a professional writer. You work for the largest scale and sports distribution in the world. Oh, nobody cares why about Rutgers. Let's be realistic, okay? Why such a thing? Who cares? Because it's ridiculous. It's offensive. It's not offensive, but it's ridiculous. Do we really have everyone on Twitter tweeting the same thing as they always do? No, but I don't. The same RIP thing? I don't. Is that, I mean, are you really outraged by that? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not outraged by that. I'm just saying. Clearly, clearly, clearly not. No, I'm not saying. I'm not like, oh, I'm so offensive. No, I'm saying that's just really Man, that was like a fancy thing. It's just bad. It's like, you're, a, you're a professional writer. Show some respect. We're going to post this live show on Snack Radio's Facebook page and tweet at it at B360. Some of the people Mandela has met have been fantastic. We've gone from the governor of